Hello. Welcome back. Hello. How are you? Yes, thank you. I'm good. I'm well, I'm not good. I am not wearing my sunglasses on my head and I was trying to find them before oh, recording no. and I couldn't find them right away and I'm really tired and it's Friday and we're very Oof. silly today. <laughs> so it is a so comedy silly. of errors happening here. So I know fans are going to be so devastated that I'm not wearing my glasses. I'll AI them or something <laughs> later. I'm sorry to disappoint. Put them on top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll, get a, we'll get a Snapchat filter going. Correct, correct. Well, hey there. Welcome back. My name is Will. My name's Catherine. And this is Behind the Pixel, the open pixel podcast where we try to bridge the knowledge gap between those who buy creative content and those who make it. I see you emphasized knowledge there. Well, you know, I was trying to think about, you know, what what does knowledge sound like? Ooh. That's a, what does knowledge sound like? It's a loaded uh, question. You know what it sounds like to me? I think Go ahead, yeah. For me it sounds like it sounds like this silence because everyone is in a library oh. reading a book sitting down and studying that's interesting so for <laughs> me a kind of on the similar track but a little bit differently knowledge sounds like skeletor from he-man because he okay. has one line that i'll never forget in his in his great great evilry of being a villain where he says uh-huh. you fools books are the real treasures of the world <laughs> and Knowledge is power. Oh. What? <laughs> Did you get a soundboard? We have access to You did not to a get soundboard a soundboard. Just for this no. episode. I'm really no, excited. No, you don't. It. Yes, I do. No, you don't. Oh, <laughs> so boy. today we're diving into the auditory dimension of animation, the sound stage. Yes, yes. I will say, <laughs> now that I'm thrown off by this soundboard thing, but... I guess it is important for us to note that sound is really a gigantic part of any video production, right? But we would say especially that's true in animation, which a lot of people don't know about. So we're here to here to give a little advice and education on it. Yeah, and remember, it tackles about 50% of the senses when you're watching something. So you really don't want to forget about sound and how it impacts the message to your audience. I mean, it's it's only 50% for now, though. I don't know if you've seen, but there are theaters that are putting both like touch and smell into their movies. So like it's now part of the equation when you're watching. So like smell-o-vision might become a thing sooner than we think. <laughs> That's true. Like you want to be inside of a theater and smelling the sweat of all of the concert goers at the Paris <laughs> tour for Taylor Swift. Like you want to be enthralled in that totally. smell. Yeah, no, I get it. That's yeah, definitely yeah. what I <laughs> Sure. <laughs> Can't wait for that experience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there are two big questions to solve during the production process when you're in the sound stage. So number one is when is the right time to introduce sound? during an animation production. And number two is how to give actionable feedback during the soundstage. Ooh, I would say that's especially true for like when we're dealing with sound effects, which we will get into. (laughs) So why don't you tell us a little bit about what's going on on the marketer's point of view here? For a communications professional, it's really helpful to know that when you get to the soundstage, and and this is at least true for, for our studio, 
typically you're in the early stages of any production. So maybe you've read the script and you've already approved it. Maybe you've selected a style and you kind of know what the visual trajectory is going to look like because you've done some work on the concept side. Or maybe you even already have a storyboard that is now tying that style to the overall script and direction for your piece. So ideally, at this point, you've thought about it or you've had conversations already about what you need for sound and and what that looks like. And just as a quick side note, if you're unsure as you're listening here of any of the words that we just talked about, we recommend going back and listening to all of our other episodes where we do a deep dive on each stage of our production. But why don't we chat a little bit about the point of view from the creative here too, because I think it's helpful to hear both sides. Yeah, I think so. There are many roles needed to create sounds for a video production, especially in animation. One is a voiceover artist. So this is one who narrates the story. A lot of people call themselves voiceover actors, not just artists. And those are the people who, you know, breathe life into characters as well as narrate information around the specific topic that you're talking about. You also have composers and musicians that design the tone and feel of the piece. And you have sound effects artists that add extra sounds to specific elements on screen. So each of those roles have different needs and skills. And honestly, we're not actually qualified to talk about any of it. <laughs> we are definitely not qualified. I mean, I, you know, as much as I would love to be a voiceover artist for like a What's that? What's that company? Like a double mint gum commercial? Um, double your flavor, double your fun. I don't actually don't know the words. Double mint gum. That's really all I Like I know the yeah, yeah, yeah know the, you know the, the little pattern. jingle. Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I think okay. That's fair to say that maybe maybe those dreams are long long gone for <laughs> both of us, not just me. Um, Uh, So to combat this problem, we're actually going to be getting a panel. We're very excited to talk to some real professionals out in the field doing voiceover work, sound post, sound production work, post-production work, and and composing music. And we're going to have all three of them here. Uh, and we're going to talk to them. It's going to be great. So we'll talk all things sound um, and what those creatives are experiencing during these stages and and talking about their feedback. Right, right. So what what that means for us, at least right now, is that, you know, instead we're probably just going to focus on the idea of what makes up a sound stage at this particular time and try to answer those two questions that we had at the beginning of the episode. So the sound stage of a production is comprised of three different parts in animation that we break it down into. So the first is that voiceover. You might have heard of this term before, but it's really an audio narration interpretation of your script overall. So it's the person who narrates or even acts out your script. They're going to emote your message with maybe a specific infliction or an accent or tone that Ultimately, the goal is to resonate with your target audience in that form. A second idea of what's happening in the soundstage here is music, also pretty self-explanatory, but you know, having music really contributes to the entertainment factor of your project as a whole. And it typically can make the project feel faster or slower depending on the tone that you ultimately select. So it's all about, you know, tone and feeling and vibes perhaps <laughs> and they all play a big factor into these music selections big big vibes big you, vibes. big vibes only 
Yeah. Good vibes only. Good vibes. Good vibes only. only. Big vibes. <laughs> big big vibes. Big vibes, vibes is like a conspiracy. <laughs> I don't know. What, I don't know who big vibes guy is, but he's out there. <laughs> <laughs> big vibes pushing. Uh, pushing those vibes. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> this is a great time to note that music styles can be overdone for animated pieces. Oh. Right? Especially when working on business marketing materials, we hear. Yes. Uh, Ukuleles, a lot of whistling, <laughs> some happy claps. There's always, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a common it's a common problem. So yeah. uh, we'll be sure for any clients out there to let you know when we're overdoing the ukulele clap whistle corporate, mm-hmm. you know, sounds. It's definitely, gonna... <laughs> definitely done some ukuleles. Yeah. yeah, a couple. Yeah, so we'll we'll steer away from those. But yeah, one other part of the animation sound stage is sound effects. And these usually happen after an animation has already been completed, and they can be used to highlight specific parts or areas or different graphics, and they provide sound cues to your audience for what to listen for and what to look for. So those sounds can actually impact brands in a ton of different ways. If you're thinking about your favorite jingles or other subliminal sounds that just remind viewers that they need to listen in to something. Uh, Speaking of jingles... Wow. Yeah. <laughs> this is that soundboard. That this one's brought this... to you by, uh, do you know? Do you know? Yes, it's is? State Farm. Sadly, I know that. Sadly, you know. Do you have State Farm? Do you have <laughs> no, State Farm? No. Oh. Well. Don't even use it. But there it so is. Sad. The so jingle, sad. The jingle is insu- there. The jingle insurance game is crazy. You I know, I have to say, I am I am happy that you're not using the soundboard as much as I thought you would be. So that's great. <laughs> that's great. Oh, more to come. More to come. Uh-huh. Um, so let's address the first problem that we mentioned earlier in the episode. So when is the right time to introduce sound during an animation production or a video production? Typically, you want to ask your production team, whoever you're working with, about sound when you start, in our opinion, the concept stage. Mm. Depending on the project, the sound can start to come into the mix in really just two places. So right at the beginning, if some component of the sound is going to drive visual decisions, maybe voiceover actors, sometimes, you know, when they're acting, that can drive some of the animation depending on how they're saying things. Or the other place where a sound could come into play is during the concept phase, when the sound is going to contribute to the overall tone and feel of the piece, but is secondary to the visual decisions. It would be interesting to see what a complementary sound to like the Mona Lisa would be. (laughs) You have your concept, you have your visual, but what would that sound like? I'd be curious. Maybe be, I don't know. Okay. Okay. Wow. Wow. There it is. There it is. Moving along. Um, yes, but each of these, you know, there there are two places where, at least in in our experience, we've started to have those conversations. So the conversations are really about audio style, right? We've talked before about having visual style, motion style, audio style is the third component to that, and we're really trying to identify how we find the right voice or the right song for your piece overall. So. We should also quickly mention um, the, the idea or concept of scratch tracks here. Um, we've mentioned them before, but scratch tracks are basically temporary tracks, and they're usually a great way to get everyone 
started and on the same page about what things should sound like very early on in the production process. But we also really want to acknowledge here that you shouldn't use those scratch tracks as your North Star, because ultimately your goals for the video and the tone you established in the visuals is going to be what helps guide the sound for your piece overall. So if you want to learn more about scratch tracks, um, you can check out our first hack. We break them down really deeply at that point. You break them down? Yeah. Who, yeah, we break who them else, down. Who else? Like, who else breaks it down? Maybe like a like a DJ? <laughs> you know? Like, I, uh, I guess. DJ, I guess. <laughs> DJ Scratchy Scratch? DJ Scratchy DJ Scratchy Scratch. I don't think that one's going to take off. I don't DJ think. DJ Scratch, Scratch and Sniff? What if it was... Eh? It's a, okay. It's a DJ that scratches. They only scratch, and then, like perfume comes out based on whatever sound mm. or feeling they're trying to convey. Yeah, maybe he like party. squirts you with like some some sort of perfume on the way in. <laughs> you can really smell them. <laughs> sure. Um, sure. Let's move on. So the second problem we mentioned was how do we give actionable feedback during the sound stage? And we've all been there, right? Mm -hmm. We're describing sounds that you do or don't want actually can be really hard. <laughs> it can right? be hard. It's like, I mean, if if I'm going to say like, oh, going back to our sound effect idea, like, can you make this like boop beep, like a like a ooey, like a, like a ooey, <laughs> you get it right. Like you, uh huh, uh huh. Yeah, I, I'm trying to make weird sounds with my mouth. The other thing that could happen is that you maybe have a real challenge of trying to give direction to a voiceover actor to change the way they said a particular word or phrase. Mm -hmm. So let's answer this question based on the type of sound that you're going to be reviewing. So let's start with voiceover. If you're reviewing voiceover, you typically want to think about acting direction. And remember that the voiceover person is an actor. So an actor. they're going to be an actor. An actor. An actor. Why, why is it that actors, like when we think of the like quintessential actor, Shakespearean we're always like a, actors. A Shakespearean actor. Yeah, mm -hmm. I don't, yeah, I don't it's know. It's fancy. It's fancy. Uh, remember that that person is an actor. So they're going to be looking for acting direction rather than tonal feedback, right? So for example, you could say something like, they should say this more angrily. Your character or your voiceover should say this more angrily, or they should hit this word stronger by saying it more passionately. Be passionate about whatever mm, it is you're talking mm. about. And that could get across what your goals are. Okay, well, right. So like if I said as an example, like, hey, Will, could you repeat that exact sentence that you had just said previously, but maybe make it feel more light and airy this time? How would you actually interpret that? They should say this more angrily. <laughs> or should hit this word stronger by saying it more passionately. Wow, that's like beautiful. Light, that light is, and airy. Yeah, yeah. I think the I think the point there is that that also makes no sense. <laughs> like yeah. that's so open to interpretation. Like it could be a musical. It could be so many things. So right. yeah, try to use very descriptive words if you can. All right. So now when it comes to the idea of music, right, music feedback is generally more about the feelings you want to convey and the mood that you're looking to set overall. So if you're not getting the mood that you're trying to go for, it's pretty simple to convey that by describing the mood that you are getting in that moment. So a good example might be, 
you know, this, this music's making me feel anxious and I'm really actually looking more to get, you know, the feeling of being uplifting instead. But there are a few mood words that you could use that are, that are pretty standard when you're talking about mood and communicating it to the team. So if you think about things like trying to create a sense of adventure or discovery, maybe you want it to feel aggressive. Maybe you want maybe, it to uh, feel... Maybe, maybe, maybe dark and somber. Ooh, that could be spooky. Dark <laughs> and somber. I want to feel somber. Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You sound like a Peter Parker from... Like emo Peter Parker, Spider-Man. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. Emo. emo That's Peter how Parker. I interpret dark and somber all the time. Uh, <laughs> so maybe instead you want it to feel good or gentle. Maybe you want it to feel magical or mystical or sci-fi-like, right? Sci-fi has its kind of own genre of music. Or even suspenseful. So there's lots of different words that you can use to get your point across. But really, it's important to recognize here that Music, of course, is going to be very subjective, and it depends on who your target audience is and where they come from and what their background is, how they'll interpret that music. If you can get mostly on the same page about what that mood should feel like and everyone agrees with it, then you're in a good place. So let's talk about sound effects. This is probably the most complex type of sound to give feedback on. You know, this is where the word cartoony usually comes into play and can mm. make some people very uh, frustrated with that sort of feedback. Boing, boing, boing. Yeah, <laughs> this is too cartoony. Mm -hmm. Also, a note here that some animators like to have sound effects cues in place before they start the animation because that will contribute to how they approach the animation. Sometimes a certain sound can make it feel like they need to do certain things within the animation. So keep that in mind. So it impacts your production schedule and how you would slot those dates in. So one thing you wanna do is always provide context. So explain how the sound effect should fit into the greater intent of the video, of the sequence, of the project as a whole. This helps the sound designer understand the purpose and the intent behind the sound that they're putting in. Another thing you could do is use descriptive language, phrases like crisp or muffled or jarring, subtle, realistic. Those can be super helpful. So when in doubt, offer mm. up examples and references to other sounds. Look something up. Ooh, yeah. Maybe maybe you really like um, something like that. That might be good. <laughs> wait, wait. Can you go back? Can you play that again? That sound effect is used in a bunch of reality oh, shows. Sure. I don't remember where. I don't remember <laughs> why. But that is a kind <laughs> Yeah. I'm getting like flashbacks to like some, like we're about to go to commercial Definitely. break somewhere. Yeah. Totals. Okay. Side note. But yeah, to that point of references, uh, I would say that like YouTube is your friend here. You know, you can grab maybe like a super legitimate clip of a movie <laughs> or a show that kind of like this reality thing when mm. you're watching something. And if you liked that sound effect, share it with them to be like, this is the sound yeah. that I'm going for or something yeah, similar to sure. it. Are there other tips that we can give out here? Yeah, yeah, we can give out a couple tips. So maybe we'll think about it from the lens of like selecting the right tone for your piece overall, because it can be hard to do at times. If you're thinking about it from the perspective of a voiceover, the voiceover artist's voice is actually a very important contributor to the overall tone of the piece. And it typically we recommend reflecting your audience's voice through that. It's probably something you already know and you've maybe noticed in different content marketing that you've done or different content that you've watched. But the goal is to be able to make sure that 
whatever your audience's voice is, that it's reflected through the voiceover. Right. If I'm selling double mint gum to teens and tweens, a voiceover coming from someone who sounds like your dad <laughs> is probably not going to be very cool. Oh, yeah, so very, uncool. Very not cool. You'd hate to very see that. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. You, oh, and he's doing the TikTok dance too. You hate to see it. <laughs> I would not buy that product. That's what it sounds oh, like. Oh boy, That's there, what it that sounds like. there it is. There it is. Oh, it hurts. Do you have other tips so I we do, can move yes. on? <laughs> uh, so one last thing here. So when you're requesting edits, it's very interesting to think mm. about. So if you're used to working with live action video, the voiceover is generally pretty easy to slide around and change while keeping the final edit intact. Because you can extend clips, you can shorten clips. Those are pretty easy to sort of move around. But it's a bit different in animation and animation production. The voiceover is actually crucial to the timing of the animation. And it needs to be established before the animation process begins. Mm -hmm. In our world, you don't have that additional length in your clips unless you take time to actually animate it, obviously, which costs more time and money. But so when you extend a clip or you need to add more padding, someone actually needs to go in there and animate it. So just keep that in mind as you think about, oh, maybe we should change the timing on this voiceover after the animation's already done. So Ain't nobody got time for that. The idea here, really, I think that we're getting at is that, you know, ultimately animation is a medium, right? And it requires us to look ahead to be able to save time in the long run. So when you are incorporating a sound, just make sure to focus on exactly what you need, not the things that you're planning to cut later, right? Time and money. We want you to save. We want you to save those dollars. Uh, it's why we stress this idea. You sound like a mob boss. <laughs> we want you to save the Dallas. <laughs> I'm going to give you a sound <laughs> offer you can't refuse. <laughs> You're going to be saving so much money here. So much, so much money. money. Yeah. <laughs> but this is why we stress the idea of like nailing down your script so early because ultimately it's going to save you the time, the energy, and the money down the yeah. road when you're doing productions. So that has really been your, you know, your red flag warning of the week. Insert prop here. Congratulations. You've successfully avoided a red oh. flag. Tell them what they've won, Bob. Did I win a trip to? You won a trip uh, to the next episode. In our next episode, <laughs> we're teasing a panel yes. full of people who are crazy good at sound. I don't know why I'm continuing this in this voice <laughs> you kept it going i know I, I appreciate the bit that's fun uh yeah no yeah. <laughs> yes but you you are true. true yes that we will be doing our next episode will be a panel with with a voiceover artist a composer and even yeah. a sound effects person so we're excited to be able to talk to them ask them very specific questions about some of those burning questions you might have about their roles and where they come in and what they're looking for and how you know how you can also give better feedback in those moments but it should be a lot of fun. So we hope to see you there. A big thank you as always to eMedia for producing this podcast. Our producer is Jackson Foote. Our music is created by Hidden and licensed through premiumbeat.com. And as always, stay honest, stay creative, stay open, open pixel studios. Thanks. We'll see you in the next episode.
Hello, audio listeners. Thank you for sticking around for our bad ideas segment of our show. Um, do, we never call it a show. <laughs> oh my God. I'm, I'm actually surprised you did not do more of those throughout. This is going to be a running thing now. This is not going to be just the sound All episode. Right. Yes, you ready to bad launch the idea. bad idea? Here's the bad idea. Hold on, it's coming. Oh boy. Okay, so the problem, you always have to establish the problem first. So the problem is that when you go out to on a date, right? Let's say you go on Tinder or Bumble or some of those apps. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you always are going to usually a public location of some kind to meet for the first time. Like right? a cafe you, or coffee place. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Right. So what if those cafes or public spaces are also branded by the dating company. Correct. So, so we were so, thinking, you know, most people who are lonely and single and trying to mingle on a <laughs> dating app could mm -hmm. also go to a place that is structured in a way for the app, right? So enter- mm -hmm. So Tinder cafes. Tinder cafes. Correct. That's Why don't right. you tell us, tell us a little bit about what goes into a Tinder cafe? So Tinder cafes are places to meet that are that are you know kind of like a Starbucks, but but not quite. Um, you get you get there, and it's a meeting place that through the app you know exactly where you're going to meet because it's close by, right? Mm -hmm. It's like one of the things that like between you, this is the closest Tinder cafe, right? You go to right. the Tinder cafe, and I think we were talking about um, the structure in which. You know, they allow for two payments or one payment, like a at the table kind of. Thing. Oh yeah, they you can split the check. You can split the check um, automatically, so you don't yeah. have to deal with like the the shitty like one person always pays for your meals kind of thing. You can swipe left instantly, like an instant swipe after the date goes wrong, but swipe right in the people who are there in the vicinity and have another date, like an instant other date. <laughs> You've like, got you know a backup what? date right on Your file. Your backup date at the spot because most of mm -hmm. the single people could hang out there, you know, swiping left and right or whatever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And if you're at the, you know, you might become You know close. what's great about that? If yeah. you're like, if you're looking through the profile and you're seeing the pictures, you can see that person in real life, like two, you know, seats down. And see whether or not the pictures actually represent right. the person. That's right. You'd look that, at the picture, you're like, oh, that's a nice picture. And then you look over and she's like, oh my God, she photoshopped all of it. Everything. That's terrible. <laughs> yeah. Right, that's left, not I don't even. Know, swipe right. I don't know yeah. which one is which. But anyway, mm -hmm. that would be a Tinder cafe. And then the other part, I think, was that the they would have they would have nights. They would have like dating like oh, oh, first yeah. person dating nights or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So the other thing that would happen here is that there would be like like we've seen at Capital One cafes, they have like events. So you would right. have different like themed nights, right? Just just like any other kind of bar or place would have. It would have like, you know, the Tinder themed trivia night or you'd have the like, what do people do besides trivia? Network. <laughs> well, so, you know, the networking thing, but it would be spe you know, well, like speed, speed dating. Networking. Yeah, speed dating. Yes, kind of speed things. dating events. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so you would pay just a little bit extra and they'd make a revenue stream from the cafe normally. So you could, exactly. you could just go to the cafe, get a coffee. It'd probably be decent coffee, you know, and just leave. So, you know, maybe that's a part. Maybe that's a partnership with Tinder and Starbucks like that. That needs to be the thing. 
so that was our bad idea. It's basically cafes, not restaurants in particular, but you know, you could do that with anything with Tinder. You'd have I guess it's not that bad of an endless. idea. How do we make it worse? I, I don't know. Your seat gets I, hot. Your seat gets really hot <laughs> if they swipe left. Okay, sure. Your ass sure. is on You fire. physically have to leave. You physically have because to get your seat and, and get out. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's also security yeah. there that might get in the way of your date. Oh, there's definitely security there. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Can't right. wait to see how the, well, you know what? It's a bad idea because you don't, they would have done it already if it was a good idea. I don't know. <laughs> they've been I, around for years. They've been an app this whole time. Apps are so small in, in footprint that like. Yeah. But think about like, what is it? Um, Like Uber's doing like ghost kitchens now. Like True. apps are making their moves outside of. Into the real world. Yeah. I, I, the think, they're, real I think they're world. coming. I think Tinder cafes make sense. I think maybe Tinder booths might be interesting. You know, like booths? you get. Yeah, you get into the booth and then you just wait for the next Tinder person and then you can make out <laughs> make out booth. That sounds um, terrible. A no? make out booth. It's a make out booth. It's designed for me. Right. If out. you need a casual stranger make out, well, you have a booth right next to the park. Some, uh, some people might be into that. Some people might be into that. I'm just saying. Some people. Not me. <laughs> there it is. There it is. On that note, <laughs> On that we're note, leaving. Yeah. So. Uh, Thanks, as always, for listening. We'll see you in the next one. See ya.